0: Hey everybody, welcome to the show, it's Jesse Williams.
1: Today's show is brought to you by Pack Racing Springs. Pack Racing Springs is over a hundred years of made in the USA, top of the line spring technology. You guys know, um, if you're a regular listener, I use the Trail Series package on uh, my Razor 1000. And let me tell you guys it made a huge difference. Um, I actually went with the standard spring rate, so the exact same spring rates that come from the stock uh, the stock machine. however, you do get the corrected rate uh, or the corrected length on the tender spring uh, that tender springs not collapsed it 's a higher quality spring, so there's not going to be the uh, the collapse and the sag that you get over time on that stock spring. 'Cause I see brand new razors that Polaris is out there demoing and the tender springs are just totally smashed and uh, adding that tender into my kit made a huge difference in the slow stuff. That's where I get the real benefit on the trails. But in the fast stuff and even, you know, side to side balancing, all that kind of fun stuff, um, that kit has made a world of differences for me. Seriously, probably the will be my next, you know, if I, my next machine, it'll be the first thing that I get as a kit from Pack Racing Springs. Um, that kit includes, like I said, is the Trail Series, all eight springs, front and rear, sliders, and crossover rings. Everything is the utmost quality. Um, I've put almost 300 miles on the machine now, and uh, everything's holding up awesome. I just washed everything for the first time since those 300 miles started. Everything's awesome. Powder coat's great. Everything's great. Um, One thing I want to highlight, too, is their uh, their series of uh, sway bars, particularly the Trailhawk. The Trailhawk is is just the last piece to dial your suspension in the way you want it. Um, What I would recommend is get your tenders fixed as step one. That's the most economical way to get your razor riding the way it should be riding. And if you can do that, call them. Um, if you can do the full spring kit, that's what I would really recommend. Um, go, uh, go talk to Chris. Chris Berger is uh, one of the guys over at PAC, and he is an excellent man to talk to. He'll get you hooked up with everything that you need. Um, after a full spring kit, if you can do it all at once, that's ideal, but um, you get the spring kit, you send your shocks to Pack Racing Springs, and they'll revalve everything for exactly how you like to ride, everything that you like to do. They will get your ride perfect. Absolutely perfect, and in my opinion, after that, get you a nice upgraded sway bar. Complete your entire suspension system by having that upgraded piece of technology. Again, over 100 years of Made in the USA material, their customer service is incredible. An A++ rating from Racing on the Rocks. All the encounters I've had with them, communication, shipping, everything was just absolutely incredible. So I really have enjoyed doing business with them. Not to mention that all the top names like Tim Cameron, Lauren Healy, the list goes on. Use Pack Racing Springs as their go-to springs for all their cars um, it's just, it's just the way to go. And, uh, that they can get a hold of them at racingsprings.com. They actually offer a discount code 10% off. I don't think you can find 10% off pack racing Springs literally anywhere, by the way, that's a really rare thing that they've done for us with code ROR at racingsprings.com on checkout. Or if you call and tell them you found us on racing on the rocks, after you guys get your kit figured out, um, they'll give you 10% off. So I highly recommend it. A great great staff over there. And like I said, if you reach out to them or if you even if you have questions, tell them Racing on the Rock sent you. Uh, another sponsor of ours is Infinite Off-Road. Infinite Off-Road is the top of the line cut-through the bull crap answer to all the lighting needs that you have. Um, I know you see it, I see it. There's a bajillion different ways and a bajillion different places you can buy lights. Infinite Off-Road is where your budget and your quality meet. You're going to get the best light bar at the best price. Um, I personally have ran their stuff for forever. Um, I've had no issues with it ever. No water getting in bars or pods. No condensation, nothing like that. Um, The best part about it is if there's ever any kind of damage to them or anything like that happens, all Infinite Off-Road products are covered with a 25-year, you break it, they fix it warranty that even covers accidental damage. That includes light bars, light pods, mirrors with lights in them, wheel rings, rock lights, and light whips and everything Infinite Off-Road brand. I can't speak high enough of that team over there. Um, I've been with them since 2013 and they're the only company that will ever put lights on any of my vehicles. Um, I can't speak highly enough about them. They're on Facebook and you can check them out at InfiniteOffRoad.com. All Things UTV is our third sponsor, and again, pretty much I say it every time, everything I haven't talked about, All Things UTV has it. Wheels, tires, axles, drivetrain, performance, uh, seats, doors, anything you can think of, uh, All Things UTV catches the slack where the other companies can't pick it up. Um, Their customer service is unparalleled, again. I mean, I say it every single episode. You guys will not hear me talk about somebody that does not have just the greatest level of customer service. If you're on Facebook, you've seen Dustin Robbins. He's everywhere. He has the best prices. Um, I've seen he's thrown out some ridiculous prices for Rockzillas, Carnivores, and the Journey, uh, the Journey Bighorn lookalikes. He's got some crazy prices going right now, and um, that's all things UTV.com. I have nothing but positive things to say about everything. Um, dealing with them. This is great. Not to mention Dustin is a racer. He's an extremely competitive racer in Ultra 4. I believe he's even done some endurance racing. So uh, look out for him next year because I know he's got some big things coming for his own. But uh, today on the show, actually before we get there, let me give you guys a little tidbit on uh, myself. Uh, I'm getting married on the 5th of October, so there won't be an episode next week. Um, However, uh, we'll jump right back to it um, the following week or so. Uh, I'm going to go on my honeymoon, and then when I come back, I'll uh, I'll get everything spun up. Um, we may have another episode this week, may not. Uh, we'll just kind of see how it pans out. It's getting to be a little bit busy right before that wedding. Um, but today on the show, we have Rich Trujillo. He is a senior product developer over at Horizon Hobby. And I'm not going to go into a long intro because this podcast is so self-explanatory, I did everything I could to get the answers that you guys wanted, and the best part yet is he gives you guys an opportunity to reach out to him in this podcast. Um, He opens the door, gives you the avenue, tells you exactly how to get a hold of him. Um, So uh, for you guys who may are happy with the products that their team is pushing out, let him know. If you guys are unhappy or if he's not building the kit or not building the cars that you guys want to see, Um, send him information, send him a suggestion. As always, be kind, Uh, that kind of stuff comes back, and better yet, I think that you guys are really going to love this episode, so without further ado, Rich Trujillo.
0: Get a drink and gather round. Let's talk drivers. Let's talk rigs. Let's talk skill. You've got the best of the best in the off-road racing world. Have a seat at the table with us, and let's talk about racing on the rocks.
1: Rich, how you doing? All right, doing
0: pretty good. Jesse, thanks for having me
1: on. Yeah, no problem. I I, I want to let you know that uh, I kind of you know shot in the dark with the invitation for the podcast. I wasn't sure if you were going to come back or not, and uh, <laughs> I'm really really excited that you did because um, you know I started talking to a few people and started talking to my team, and yeah, to be honest with you, I put a little like lead out on Facebook like, hey, we're going to have so and so on the show this week. And I have mm-hmm. gotten more responses from yours than I have any other driver I've ever had. And this will be episode 29 or 30. I can't remember. Oh, right on, man. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah, man. That's, that's I'll cool. tell you. Uh, people have lots of questions because uh, you guys are, you know, spoiler horizon. Uh, you guys are pushing out a lot of really cool stuff right now. And uh, people have lots, you know, it's just a hot topic mm-hmm. right now. But yeah, um, yeah. Be- before we jump into the uh, to the work side of things, um, tell me a little bit about yourself outside the off-road world. Um, who is, who is Richard? Who is Rich? Uh, what do you like to do? All uh, right, right Yeah, my name
0: so I'm Richard Hill. Um, I'm going on 50, believe it or not, here in January coming up. My um, <laughs> I've been doing RC stuff since I was 12 years old awesome. and managed to turn my hobby into a career and that's all I've ever done. So I've been pretty lucky for that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, on the on the family side of it, I got a couple kids. So I got two daughters that are uh, older, moved out. They live in Omaha. One's a train dispatcher. One's a zookeeper at the Omaha Zoo. Very cool. Um, and then I got a 15 year old son who has well, he's going to be 15 in November. Who has absolutely no interest in RC cars. Really? But well, I think it's because he's been so exposed to them for so long. Yeah. That really, it's not that interesting to him. Yeah. Um, you know, he was when he was. F- what was it? Maybe five. He was doing the testing on the five T, which was one of my projects. That's amazing. So he was little. <laughs> yeah, he was little driving the cars and and he could drive them. But it just was one of those things that really hasn't stuck. You know, he's in the VR, building computers, all that stuff.
1: Yeah, I can but, uh, I can vouch for that because that that's what I do for a living as well.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, gotcha. that's really gotcha. cool. Yeah. So he's really into that stuff. And it, it, one of the things that when I realized it was not going to be his thing was in my garage, you know, I had a fifth scale, I had crawlers, I had all kinds of RC stuff sitting around. And one day all the neighborhood kids came around, and the garage was open and they all looked inside and were like, Oh, wow. Oh my God. What is that? And, this and, that. and he just kind of looked at them like, doesn't everybody have RC cars? What's the <laughs> big deal? So Man. I knew then. I was like, eh, he's not going to be into this thing. So yeah. he will He will humor me and go to crawling events, and he'll run, and he can drive the cars fine. But it's definitely not his thing. Um, but, yeah, so I got the three kids, married, had the house. Uh, for hobbies myself, I like to go real off-roading. Um,
1: yeah.
0: Not hardcore. I'm not a rock bouncer guy. I'm not mm-hmm. a hardcore rock crawler guide i do like to go take my truck i've got a tacoma yeah and you know we go out camping and do some mild you know blue trail type intermediate stuff yeah um i ride a mountain bike that's my main hobby is uh riding my mountain bike and that's pretty much it man and then uh doing the rc stuff
1: man i'll tell you riding that mountain bike is why you look so young man that uh (laughs) that i did that the other weekend and i tell you what i i'm so i'm 24 I should be on the upswing in my, you know, physical condition and it about right. beat me to the ground. It's ho- it's hard, man. It's horrible. It's, <laughs>
0: it's yeah, it's it's been fun. I've actually really enjoyed it. I started about 6 years ago. I didn't grow up in a big motorsports family, so yeah. I have no dirt bike or motocross or or BMX or any type of uh, history like that. So when I was 44, I started riding a mountain bike for the first time and yeah, we've broken some fingers and had some stitches and stuff, but it's been awesome and it's definitely good exercise. That's for sure. so I love it.
1: Yeah, and I can I can relate to that story too. Um, I didn't grow up in a motorsports family. Our regular listeners have heard this story over and over again. Um, I got a Jeep when I was sixteen, and uh, just it all started from there. And I primarily do side by sides, but I think it was it was uh, I don't remember. Uh, my first crawler was the silver Jeep JK that Axial had off the SCX 10 original platform. And, uh, man, it all started from there and I feel like I've had a little bit of everything in between and, uh, a lot of my listeners are very much into the, you know, brushless rock bouncer style of cars and we'll talk a little bit about that later, but I feel like I have had a little bit of everything. I have respect for everything and, uh, I think it's all just so much fun.
0: Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, yeah I've kind of, um, you know, with the, my work history, I've kind of dabbled in everything as well when it came to the RC side. Mm-hmm. Um, don't know if you want to hear about this part of it, but. Yeah, please. Uh, uh, basically, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of give the background on history. I started out when I was 12, had a Tamiya car. This was 1982, so way before you were born, because even my <laughs> youngest daughter's older than you, so I know who that was. Um, I started out with Tamiya stuff. I just kind of played with them, and then I ended up getting a. A job at a hobby shop. I worked there for a few years, off and on, while I went to school and worked at a, another job mm-hmm. after I graduated high school. Things like that, and then I ended up working at a racetrack, an indoor racetrack in Southern California that I managed. And I was pretty decent driver. I was sponsored by Team Associated, and I had full re and pro yeah. line and you know full sponsorship type stuff. And I could do hold my own. And, uh, Gil Losey Jr., who, um, you know, his father owned Team Losey. Yeah. Used to come to my track and do testing after hours with the prototypes and that type of stuff.
1: That's awesome.
0: And, you know, after a couple of years of getting to know him, one day he offered me a position to come work in the shipping department at Team Losey.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, uh, I was young and had a kid pretty young and needed the health insurance. So I jumped on board <laughs> and did it.
1: Yeah, man. Uh,
0: about a year about six months in um i had started out in the shipping department i started working my way around production um i ended up doing some quality control i've Mm -hmm. done some manufacturing stuff when we were doing in-house manufacturing Mm -hmm. and then about a year in i ended up becoming the team manager for team loads and i did that for 10 years wow so i traveled all over the world um and all over the country i think i've been to 42 or 38 different states, I lost count, I forgot what it was, for for different nationals and and RC events. And back then, we only did electric Mm off-road, but as time progressed, we ended up getting into Nitro, we ended up getting into touring cars, Um, and so I managed the team for 10 years. Uh, had a good time doing that, and then from there, I progressed on into doing the, believe it or not, the website, and... Uh, our graphics and instruction manuals.
1: Really? I did that.
0: Yeah, I did that for a few years. I kind of <laughs> took some basic classes. Yeah. It was one of these things where the internet was still pretty new. Yeah. And our guy that was running the website ended up quitting. And yeah. so they sent me to a class for six hours and said, all right, you're going to be doing the website now. <laughs> so this is way back in the day with dial up and all that yeah. good stuff. Um, but I did the website and um, sticker sheets and manuals and things like that for a while. Yeah. And then Horizon bought us. And uh, things changed. We went from being a small little private company to being owned by this quote-unquote corporation, so one of the largest hobby distributors.
1: What year was that acquisition?
0: Oh, you you would have to ask me on that. I think it's been about... 14 years now maybe 15 <laughs> okay. years okay i forget gotcha. i forget when it was gotcha. i've been i've been with low Sea horizon for almost a total of 25 years
1: my goodness man yeah i
0: did have a, a small time where uh, things had gotten a little tight and they started cutting some people and i've been around pretty much the longest mm-hmm. and probably made more than most of the product developers and yeah. so i was laid off um i was laid off and i went to work for rc four oh drive mm-hmm. for a year um, those guys, and, and let me back up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, once Horizon took over, I ended up getting into product development. Uh-huh. And I was doing stuff for Low C, which was our main brand at the time. and did touring cars and rock crawlers. And the first thing I did was, or one of my bigger projects people know about would be the mini rock crawler and the Low C comp crawler. Yeah. So about eight or nine years ago, back in those days, comp crawling was starting to take off. And, and that's what I, I focused on. I was always into kind of the scale stuff. hmm um, and so when crawling started to take off, I was lucky enough that they put me in that position.
1: Yeah.
0: So I did, a, I did that for several years. And then, like I said, I got laid off, went to work for RC World drive for a year. And then, uh, the guys at horizon called me back and asked if I would come back and work for them. Now, most people would be bitter or, or, you know, feel burned by it.
1: Yeah.
0: I kind of understood the situation and the fact too, that I'd been there so long, I was kind of losing interest yeah so it was kind of a good kick in the butt to get laid off it's a little scary but yeah i was able to you know jump on my feet and get with rc4 drive and they took very 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 good care of me rc4 drive was awesome i I have zero complaints about them and and what they did and and what we produced there and stuff but the challenge for me was because they were located in central california Mm -hmm. and i was in southern california which they agreed to let me work from home Mm -hmm. I'm not a work from home guy. Yeah. I really struggle with that because I would literally be up at 7 a.m. to check what happened in China overnight. Yeah. Then I'd work all day and then I'd have dinner and I'd be thinking, oh man, I'm going to contact China because they're open right now in the morning. Yeah. And I'd be working, you know, 12, 14, 15 hour days. Yeah. And it just, I just didn't like the fact that I was working from home and just doing it on my own. Now, most people would think, oh, it's awesome work from home, but. <laughs> I could never really make it work and so when the the Horizon staff called me and mm-hmm. asked me if I'd come back and work for them, it was kind of a perfect fit. Yeah, I made them pay a little bit more, that's for sure. Yeah. I was like, hey, you lay me off, you're gonna pay <laughs> me a little bit more to come back. Yeah, absolutely. But um, they've been really good to me and it's just been like click back on. So I think I'm going on two and a half years that I've been back there now.
1: Wow. Well congratulations. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, so
0: it's it's been good. So, so
1: that's So let me ask you this: I know you're fine. I'm, I'm trying. I'm, I'm like replaying everything in my head because um, that's an awesome, awesome, awesome timeline of events. There Um, was there anything at RC Four Wheel Drive that you got a chance to to work on that was notable or worth mentioning?
0: So, man, see the thing with RC Four Wheel Drive is they pump out so much product. They do because they're a smaller company. They're able to react pretty quickly to the market um so some of the things i worked on was like uh let's see here there's even stuff that i know that still hasn't come out yet that we're working on that were wow. pretty tough projects um the forerunner body yeah that was that was my project um i worked with one of the designers to get that done um the i worked with seven we did several different tires a ton of accessories i mean there was so much stuff it's so hard to remember i mean literally it was like a blur because i was there for a year and we just just working on so much stuff. And then on top of that, they kind of brought me in too to help a little bit with the development of the manufacturing side and quality control. Yeah. Um, Because they were kind of a smaller company and I had been part of a bigger company, I had learned quite a bit of how we handle our quality control and and maybe a numbering system and and, uh, part numbers for product and different types of ways to kind of control the inventory and, and kind of keep an eye on stuff in addition to to doing a better job of of checking parts to make sure they fit right, so yeah. I kind of did a lot of that on the background. You'll never really notice it, mm-hmm. but that's kind of some of the stuff I got to do with them. So, well, that's, they were really cool about it. Yeah. That's
1: awesome, and and man, that's the you know I mean, that's what what you just described is what me is what takes a a company from I don't even know the correct word, uh, you know, less than hobby grade, less than professional grade. <laughs> to a professional grade and it's something that's really worth getting into so the work you did there i mean it's got to have you know such a huge impact yeah i would i would hope so i mean tom and and the guys
0: at our school drive were like i said they were really good to me and um they were very open to letting me uh work on different types of stuff and Mm -hmm. and bring some different processes in Mm -hmm. I, i know that they've progressed from there as well they've gotten a couple uh, good product developers there, another engineer. Um, they've got a pretty big staff working there now. So I have nothing but respect for those guys. They're still competitors of mine. Don't yeah. get me wrong. <laughs> I'm still going to battle it yeah. out with them. But, yeah. but you know, at the end of the day, when, when I see Tom and the guys from Marshall drive, you know, we just BS and have a good time talking and stuff like that. But, yeah. you know, ultimately we're both trying to go at each other to like get that sale. So, yeah, you know.
1: absolutely. So, so let me ask you, so you go back to horizon, um, you know what is the what is the you said you've been back at Horizon for about two years, right? Right. Okay. So what what does the last two years look like for you once you came back? Just a high level.
0: You know, it was um, it, things just kind of progressed back where it was. So Horizon has in the in the in the surface development area, we kind of have a bunch of processes that are are pretty set in stone in a sense. Mm-hmm. So before we can come out with a crawler or whatever we have to justify that it's a viable product in the market that right. it's wanted yeah. and that it's actually going to make the company money. Cause yes. let's face it. They're not in this to make everybody, Oh, let's make them happy that we made a Jeep or we made this and that. Yeah. Okay. No, it's, 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 to be, a, it's a profit, you know, to make a profit. Um, but be sensible about it at the same time, mm-hmm. you know, the RC market is very, very sensitive when it comes to pricing. And, and it, what blows me away is if you take a close look, vehicles that we were selling back in the early 90s mm-hmm. are almost the same price as they are now so yeah you know you buy a two-wheel drive modified buggy kit and mm-hmm. you're paying almost the exact same price you did 25 years ago and you have way better cars with much better technology and better components better materials tighter tolerances i mean they're just better and yet we can't ask for any more than what we were doing 25 years ago it gets it's it's a pretty tough market in that sense yeah
1: i would i would agree um, with you and I, I guess my question is 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 there is there a magic number because it seems like most of the cars they either st- they stay right around this you know give or plus or minus fifty dollar price range for a car uh-huh. and upgrades are typically you know in a fifty dollar plus or minus range is it really like that i, I guess like uh like are are the lines that clear in the sand for what people you know where people buy and where they don't buy? Yeah, it's
0: a tight window, and I huh. guess the biggest the biggest challenge for us is that there's a lot of stuff being made in China now mm-hmm. that is not that good. That looks almost identical. I mean, you can find ripoffs of uh, anywhere from the, the Vitera Twin Hammers yeah. to the Axial SEX 102 I mean, they're just dead nut ripoffs. Yeah, the quality is terrible. But because of the internet and social media, you can get access to those vehicles pretty easy now. Mm-hmm. And so those guys drive the prices down and make it difficult for us to, I mean, we're not making a million, You know, people look at us like, oh, they're making SDX ten two and it costs them like 35 bucks. No, it doesn't, it's not even near that. Trust yeah. me, anybody who's out there listening, we are not making a monster killing off you guys. Yeah. Do we make a little money? bit of money? Yes, we do, of course. We gotta be a profitable business. But it's not the margins that people think yeah. um, you know we have to make our margin. the vendor has to make their margin, then we got to sell it to a dealer that's got to make their margin and so in the end that's where it comes out being priced for the man or for the consumers but it it there is a it, it seems like there is a price point pattern it's like seventy nine ninety nine one twenty nine ninety nine yeah one ninety nine ninety nine 229 or $249 you depends on you can start fudging a little bit on what, what kind of product you're producing. Right. And then it just starts going up from there. Yeah. Um, so it's, it, it is very, very tough to, to price out this stuff because, again, we, we need to be able to make our money to keep you know, paying the bills and have the place open and make a little bit of profit. Um, but at the same time, too, you've got to be sensitive to what the consumers are going to be willing to pay. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's interesting to see how that goes. For so far, like I said, over the last twenty years, I bet it hasn't moved more than ten, fifteen percent in either direction.
1: That's pretty amazing. It's, yeah. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. And, yeah. So let me ask you this: um, What does you know? Okay. Say, for example, you say uh, we'll use the Jeep Gladiator as an example. Uh, something new has came out, and you guys, you know, you for example, pitched the idea. Hey, this is something that we want to build. Um, how does that process go in, in in time frame wise? You know, does it take a does it take two years to get a car to production? You know, kind of paint that picture for our listeners
0: gotcha yeah so what'll happen is if let's say we do like gladiator be a perfect example that comes out it's the new hot rig everybody wants you know Mm -hmm. it's the jeep pickup truck finally and that type of stuff yeah and it's on top of that it seems to be pretty capable based on the suspension and all the stuff they've done absolutely um so what'll happen is i will we'll be looking at you know a two we have a two-year to three-year plan set set already now the plan does allow for adjustments so if let's say like. The gladiator came out you can make adjustments to all right we're going to move this in place of something else gotcha and what'll happen is i'll put a proposal together like here i believe we need to do a jeep gladiator and here's why it's a super popular vehicle Uh you're going to have a lot of people out there with these things customizing them the scale market kind of follows the same thing yeah and i believe we can make it for this much money and we can sell it for this much money And this is how much I think it's going to cost to tool the vehicle. Mm -hmm. Now when you tool a vehicle, it does take a little bit of experience. You kind of have to kind of do a couple projects and you kind of get a flow for what it costs to make a mold and what it costs to make a tire mold and a body mold and that type of stuff. So what I'll do is I'll put this all in a proposal and horizon has a really great program at work that we actually input this data, propose the number of vehicles we think will sell. We have to put in there what we think it'll affect on within our product line. Right. So if I come out with a Gladiator, I got to say, hey, well, the JK or the the Wraith 9 is going to take a 10 or 20 percent hit right. on sales once this comes out. Right. So it's pretty heavy when it comes to that type of. This is the this is the probably 90 percent of my job. 10% is the fun stuff where I get to build cars go out and run 90% is the paperwork, justifying it, the yeah. part numbers, the, the, the quantities, the costs, and all that type of stuff. Yeah. And so what I'll do is I'll put that together, and it'll go through a committee, and it involves our CEOs and presidents and everybody, they'll take a look at it. They'll give the initial, yep, let's do it, sounds good. Uh-huh. And from there, and that's usually a, like a two- to three-week period that we can kind of move on that. From there, I'm actually given the authorization to have a designer start to work on the design. Mm -hmm. Now, that could start immediately. It could start in two months, of it, depending on our staff and what they're working on.
1: Sure.
0: So they'll go through the design. We'll take a look at it. We'll get to a point where we think it's good, and we'll send the design files over to our overseas vendors. Now, 99% of everything now is done in Asia. Mm -hmm. Um, Back when LOSI owned it, it was all done in, in the U.S., Mm-hmm. unfortunately you just can't compete with the cost it would take to do it in the u.s right now yeah maybe that'll change in the future you know with these tariffs and things like that and maybe that'll affect it yeah but for the for the interim when you're dealing with these rc cars and such tight margins you got to take whatever you can get so yeah no, the majority no. of stuff is is done in in taiwan
1: yeah
0: and we have a pretty good vendor there so what we'll do is that guy will take a look at it he'll uh, go through the the design files, he'll get a quote, and he'll send it over to me, and I estimate what it's going to cost for the vehicle, mm-hmm. and what the tooling cost is going to be, and then I do another proposal, and I put all the hard data in as far as what the actual cost is going to be to produce this vehicle,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that'll go to another committee, and this will involve our, sale, our sales staff, our marketing staff, uh, obviously our big shots, the big bosses that sign the checks, Yeah. And they'll do a whole review over the project and say, okay, yep, yeah, it looks like we can make a decent margin off this. We have to do this and this and this. We also need to tie in with Jeep and get their approval yeah. with licensing to say that they'll let us license this vehicle. Yeah, that's true. Um, and run through that process. Then, And backing up, that's another process. If we're designing Gladiator, we have probably a six to eight step process where we do initial design, uh-huh. send it to Jeep. They say, okay, you need to change this, this, and this. And you kind of go back and forth with them until you can get to something where it can be tooled. Yeah. Um, so that whole process right there is probably on a good day. Um, it's probably <clears throat> for something that's not totally ground up from start to that point. It's probably about four or five months. Okay. Um,
1: that that sounds. Once, I mean, that sounds like that sounds reasonable. That's not an unreasonably long period of time, and it does. Yeah. It also doesn't sound like something that gets rushed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, so we'll get to that point of that four or five months. We try to prototype stuff too. Like we'll 3d print stuff to check and make sure things are going to fit right. Right. If it's just a new body, um, we'll maybe print like the the body mount posts and stuff to make sure things are going to fit right. And then we, we've done so many of these things that you can usually get pretty close on the first shot. Yeah. So, um, testing a ground up vehicle is probably three or four months would be my guess. Um, it just depends on the vendor that we use as well. So, like, sure. the vendor that's doing this Capra, mm-hmm. they've done all our TLR race vehicles, like, the eighth-scale vehicles. Yeah. And they've also done all the Viterra uh, vehicles, the Ascender, yeah. the touring cars. So they've got a lot of experience, um, and they and the guy's an enthusiast for RC stuff as well. So. Yeah. He's able to take a look at something and, and dial it in and usually we can move pretty quickly on testing with him because he knows how to shoot parts and make sure they fit right and make yeah. sure we're using the right heat treat and the right materials and that type of stuff. So testing with him is pretty short. If we're using a new vendor, it could be anywhere from six to eight months, depending on Ooh, on, on wow. what they know and and yeah, it, it can take some time. You know, we've we've had some projects in the past that we used a new vendor because the pricing looked pretty good and they made a bunch of promises. And then 18 months later, we still didn't have a product. Man. So we've had stuff like that in the past. So finding a good vendor and keying in with them is, is a key part for us. And yeah. this one that, like I said, has done the Capra, he's he's done an amazing job. So you'll do like three months of testing. Uh, usually what will happen is it will take about um, 45 to 90 days to tool the actual parts themselves. Mm-hmm. and then you start getting the samples. And because this is really good, usually I have like to run one or two cycles, and we usually get parts that are, are really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, that could vary. You know, you could be making, like, a, a servo arm, mm-hmm. and you're playing with different uh, glass material to kind of make it stiffer, but you're trying to find that right balance so it doesn't break too easy. Right. And it doesn't strip too easy because it has too much glass in it. So there's a lot of that type of stuff that's, that kind of uh, comes into play there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you know you could be dealing with anywhere from three to six months of test time, and then you got to get the photo samples together and the box art, and then manuals are a nightmare. Uh, you, you've got to figure out a way to put this thing together that it makes sense for people when they're putting it together.
1: <laughs> yeah, and then you got to count every screw and nut and oh make sure that we gosh. have the right
0: one in there. So, as an example, even on the Capra, as even though I've gone through it multiple times, uh-huh. I discovered that we had pointing out an 18 millimeter screw when it really was a 25 millimeter luckily it's packaged correctly but the manual has a couple little errors that i'm working on getting fixed Wow! so yeah you can do that um and literally it's it's the reality is a super fast project you could probably bust out in about eight or nine months
1: mm-hmm.
0: um a ground up depending on the factory you're using is anywhere from 12 to 14 months
1: mm-hmm.
0: um maybe closer to 16 months and then, if you're using kind of a new vendor and it's maybe a totally new vehicle, like the the 5T, when I ran that project, mm-hmm. that was ground up fifth scale, <laughs> yeah, new something new totally for us, using a brand new factory. Um, that took a lot of work and that took a lot of time. I think that was in development for almost two and a half years before it finally came out.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So that one took some time. But yeah, so the process could be, like I said, anywhere from. Yeah, to about 10 months to, to 14, 16 months is probably about the average.
1: Okay, cool. Because I know that, you know, that's one of those things, it's always hard to relay to people, you know, how long some things take because some, you know, sometimes it's quick, sometimes it's not. And uh, especially, you know, especially here this year and, and, and lately, uh, you know, of late, um, you guys are shelling out lots of stuff real quick. Uh, you guys have releases back to back to back and it's awesome. <laughs> It
0: seems that way but it's been a while like uh as an example so basically horizon when they bought axial uh, i think we're going on almost two years now right. i think in january or february it'll be two years when we bought hobbyco out and acquired the axial brand which was crazy because those guys went from from being my competitor to being my coworkers. Yeah, that's nuts. And we knew each other's secrets. It was really weird because you know I did the Vitera Ascender. Yeah. And I worked on that from ground up. I worked on the entire Vitera line from day one. And those were my babies, and that was my you know, going after the SCX ten two. Where yeah. actually it came out before the SCX ten two, they kind of and even now they kind of admitted that some of this stuff was inspired by the fact that we did smaller axle housings. Yeah. And, you know, did some other stuff. Yeah. And and uh, so it was weird when we acquired them and then Matt Kearney, who is our, our main designer, who's been with Axial for 10 years or so, who's who's still with us, he um, all of a sudden became my coworker and he and I worked together day in and day out.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: Man. And um, so there was a lot of projects and stuff in the pipeline, but because of the financial situation that HobbyCo was in, they couldn't produce it. Right. They, they couldn't make them. So the, the Capra was something that was kind of, roughly designed we did change it up quite a bit but it was already kind of designed the 6x6 was something they wanted to do the uh, the Wraith nine was another one that they wanted to do so once once we took over we have the funding to do it we're able to jump on these projects pretty quickly and start busting them out Okay. so but you know that was over two years ago we've had some releases but uh, you know it's it just takes a little time to catch up so yeah
1: So so let me ask you this Do you think that, I mean, for someone, just myself, it's feeling like you have got, you guys have released quite a bit, you know, often, you guys have been pretty much steadily putting things out here over the past uh, year that I can think of. Um, Uh Is that the pace that you guys are going to continue at, or is that just due to the fact they had this buildup of, you know, products they wanted to push, but couldn't necessarily get out the door?
0: Uh, It's going to slow down a little bit, um, but there's... But at the same time, too, I I think you'll see a lot more unique offerings um, that it's not. So people think, oh, Horizon is corporation. They're making Axial do this and that, blah, blah, blah. You know, there was a lot of plans for Axial to do a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. As an example, the the Micro 24 scale. Yeah. You know, the SX-24. That was something they wanted to do for the longest time. As soon as it comes out, oh look at Horizons making Axial do a a mini crawler or micro crawler. No, the guys from Axial really wanted to do that, and it's a really good design. It actually works pretty well. Mm -hmm. So you kind of have this this thing where people think Horizons making them do stuff, and then Axial just wanted to to do their own thing. So it's a fine balance right now. We have a lot of cool stuff that's in the pipeline. Is it going to be one after another after another? No, not quite. But I think you will see uh, differences in in what we release, so you mm-hmm. know, we did the uh, the Yeti Junior release as a uh,
1: yeah. It called? Uh, uh, yeah. I, I bought one of those actually. Yeah, the Can Am. Yeah, they're great. So, yeah,
0: yeah. So we did. You know, we worked with the new vendor. Mm-hmm. We got that fixed up because the first Yeti was pretty bad. Um, so this one was ground up, tooled at another place, and it's much much better than it used to be. Um, but you have that. You have that Can Am. You have the Micro S E 24 You have a six by six. You have the Wraith One Nine. Then you have the Capra. So you kind of get a feeling we're kind of playing around in all these different off-road categories within mm-hmm. uh, Axial. You're not going to see a, a stadium truck or a short course truck from Axial because I think it's more focused on crawling, um, rock racing, that type mm-hmm. of stuff. Um, but
1: yeah, I would hope that we're not going to be going at that pace. Yeah. <laughs> <because it makes laughs> I'm, I'm sure. More. I'm sure you feel that way. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm usually juggling between six and twelve projects at a time. Wow. And. um in various stages and then for various brands. So besides axial, you know, I, I do stuff for Vetera, right. I do stuff for low C, I've done stuff for ECX. Um, I'm sorry. Decline that caller.
1: No, you're fine. Um, uh,
0: so I've done a lot of stuff for different brands. So, you know, we all kind of, we have six product developers in house right now. Actually, no, wait, one, two, three, five developers. Um, so we all kind of handle multiple projects at one time. So it's a lot of juggling and they're all in different stages, which is a lot of fun too.
1: Yeah. I'm sure that that makes, uh, you know, switching tasks very easy. (laughs)
0: Yeah. When I I was at Axial Fest, I was there for 12 days.
1: Wow. During
0: that time, I was trying to approve the box art and manuals for the UTB Capra. I was bringing out the six by six and doing the final approvals for that um, as well as working on some other stuff that isn't announced yet, that is in process as well. So, you know, it, it's it's always busy. There's always something going on. He, he, there's never any total fun time where I can just chill out and go play RC cars. But yeah, you know, yeah, I'm not complaining. Yeah, I love no, the job. no. Don't get me wrong. I no. love my job. I'm very happy to be making RC cars for a living.
1: So. Yeah. Well, I think that you you painted a really a great picture because. Uh, you know, I think that you painted that not only do you yourself wear many hats, but um, you know, there's there's some compartmentalization in branding, but also um, it seems that Horizon is pushing for a better, you know, a better end product and a better tomorrow for everybody, and everybody will rise um, together. You know, that's, oh, kind of, yeah. that's kind of the feel I get from that, and um, yeah. you know, no, as as someone. About- as someone who appreciates all the kinds of, of, of crawlers, scale, you know, uh, rock racers, everything in between, uh, I think that's cool because you guys have been building really neat stuff. And uh, I personally enjoy the fact that you guys are in every aspect. You guys are – you don't build two of the same machines, which I think is great.
0: <laughs> right. I'm, I'm actually really excited about – not, I'm not trying to do any promotional stuff. I'm happy no. with what's happening with the Capra. But one of the exciting things with the Capra is this is really the first ground-up vehicle – that axial is getting to use what they're able to to use what they've learned from TLR our, our racing program mm-hmm. when it comes to tolerances and materials and things like that. So as time progresses, I think all you're going to find is even better and better and better axial vehicles. Yeah. Um, you know, we've had stuff in the past. The issues with ASX 102s, and it's it's grown a great option market out there because people have wanted to change the ring and pinion or change the materials on the axles or different types of things or they get pissed off because it was coming with plastic pivot balls Mm -hmm. and not metal like everybody else was was well that is going to change because we have different materials and stuff like that that these guys can take advantage of Mm -hmm. so i'm really excited to see the future of of axial and and the stuff that's going to come out i mean we still have some stuff that's it's improving because we're able to put our knowledge on it with the existing factory. Yeah. But you'll still have some stuff that you know. We still got a couple more things coming out that uh, are from one of the older vendors that we've helped improve. So um, it's it's only going to get better. That's for sure.
1: Well, I, I, again, I think that that's 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 really exciting to hear from from my point of view as well. Um, uh-huh. So I have a, I have kind of just a, a list of questions that will take us kind of all over the place. Okay. Um, and feel free and my listeners know it's this is a conversation, I don't edit anything. Feel free to say no if you don't want to answer something or you can't answer something. Okay, um, no but problem. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna talk for a little bit. Uh, the first okay. thing I want to talk about is the Capra. Um, wh- you, you, you addressed it a little bit on your Instagram. Um, explain to our, explain to me, why is this not a 1.9 bomber? What kind of makes it different? <laughs> That's,
0: that's been funny. Uh, you know, it, it's not that it's necessary it's, it's not a bomber. I mean, it, it really isn't because the bomber is more of a rock racer. Yes. And I, I'm sure that a lot of your people, uh, listeners and stuff like that, that are, are, are listening in this, they can decide and can tell you the difference between uh, someone's rock bouncer chassis to someone's U4 chassis. They can mm-hmm. call out the differences in what they are. Mm-hmm. So when you take a look at the at the Capra, it really was not designed at all off of the bomber platform and in fact randy would probably not be too happy about us (laughs) calling it a bomber when it's not a bomber right um so so really what it comes down to is the way that the chassis is designed the framework's designed and the fact that it's really designed to be a crawler and Mm -hmm. not a rock racer Mm -hmm. kind of changes what it is is it a big deal no i don't care if you call it a 1.9 bomber i mean Mm -hmm. if you generally just take a look at it and squint a little bit yeah they kind of look the same it's a tube framed buggy Mm -hmm. but in general but in all honesty, it had nothing to do with the bomber when it came to the design uh, of the vehicle itself. So yeah,
1: and you, you have know. you have some great pictures on your Instagram of the bomber and the Capra sitting next to each other, and I, I think the most telling picture is the one that you have from the bottom, and it just shows you know from a like very technical standpoint, it's very very different, and um, I've heard a lot of guys in in my circle. Uh, you know, the first thing they say is, oh, I'm going to put some AR-60s underneath it, you know, and I'm going to run it like a, like I would a rock racer. And uh, I just, I don't I don't see that being a possibility, really, with the way that the Capra is set up. Yeah, it'd be
0: really goofy looking, to be honest. Yeah. I think with that little tiny cage and those big old axles sticking out. And then on top of that, you would lose some of the gear reduction that we have. You know, the, the portals provide right. some actual reduction. Yeah. So if you want to make it go a little faster, I guess you could. But, you know, really this thing was designed at being like, maybe in a sense, and I I don't want to pigeonhole it, but kind of like a next generation comp crawler. Yeah, yeah,
1: I I definitely get that vibe from it, for sure.
0: Yeah, you know, we went... That, you know, comp crawling was really fun back in the day. And, and Matt and myself really loved doing that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. But but once they got the MOAs with the dual motors, and then you had to run a Futaba with this crazy setup and dual speed controllers, yeah. it just killed it for everybody. Yeah, the hardcore guys that were into it that wanted to do it, they were there. But it killed itself as far as manufacturability. Yeah. Once nobody was buying them because it was too hard to run them, yeah. it went away. So, you know, the scale market took off and then here was our opportunity to make a scale in a sense scale crawler buggy that's kind of has the comp sizing you know mm-hmm. the axles are basically the same as a same width as an xr10 was yeah but you know it's a shaft driven portal buggy that looks a little more scale realistic than this volkswagen
1: yeah. you know
0: swooped kind of yep. thing with motors on each end
1: so yeah yeah good call yeah. on that good call um yeah. so let me ask you uh, the portals that's the that's one of the big sin homes for the capro um how confident are you in those portals how do you feel about them you know you've gotten a chance to run the rig what are your thoughts kind of collectively i uh,
0: i'm so i'm going to i feel real confident about it now of course once it gets into your guys' hands the stuff <laughs> you guys do yeah. or some of the times like things i can't imagine sure but i can tell you that some of the testing i did was on carpet fully locked 4s 3100 kv motor in it that's so
1: power right there
0: <laughs> yeah I, I mean we're talking pulling wheelies yeah and, and letting off the just going into full lock and flipping it over and then jumping on the throttle again and I, i've been beating on them pretty hard uh i, I feel pretty confident that we're going to be okay do i recommend for man eh, not necessarily yeah
1: that's, you don't that's you don't power. need that
0: much power yeah and it's kind of winging it up there you know you get the rpms going because it's geared you know pretty low uh-huh. um but I feel pretty good about it. Again, knock on wood, you know, sometimes once people get in their hands, they start doing stuff that I'm not thinking of. It's, it's pretty sure. crazy. Yeah.
1: We've yeah. had,
0: um, Brock LaRouche who did a lot of testing for us as well, where I had him do his own thing. I said, I don't care what you do, go out and run it. He's a local driver. Uh-huh. He actually is sponsored by Reefs RC. He runs, uh, their servos and stuff and he's local to me. So we got to know each other and, uh, I had him testing for probably the last five months, and he's beaten on it pretty hard. I'll be dead honest. I can tell you exactly some of the stuff that I've broken Mm -hmm. that has been addressed, and I feel confident has been fixed. I've actually only had two main things that were issues. The first one was the servo arm, Uh, the initial design we had. uh, So we have like a metal insert and then a plastic arm. Now, people are going to say, why did you do that? Why don't you do a metal one? Well, we didn't do a metal one because sometimes people don't mind having this plastic one break before they break their $150 servo. Yeah. Sure. So we kind of did that, but it was a fine balance where we were using an injection-molded one at first all by itself, uh-huh. and we were stripping the teeth on that. Yeah. So then we went to the metal insert and the, the plastic-molded arm, and then it was too thin around some of the walls and it was breaking pretty easy. So we went and made that thicker, and since then, I have, it's taken a lot to break it. Will it break at some point? Yes, you could break that, but at that point, also you could also go to an aluminum servo arm if that's really what you want to do. But you will have a little bit of protection from the plastic arm. Yeah. The second thing that I had an issue with, and actually I was surprised it took so long to break, was the rear axle. Um, we had it was breaking off at the point of where the axle goes into into the locker. Yeah. And really, what happened was, and I and I missed it. And the vendor was the one that caught it was, one, it wasn't heat-treated properly, and two, they had cut a little too deep into the axle uh, when they were making this flat on the axle shaft itself. Uh And I guess the way they have to do it is they do put a little groove in there so they can make it flat, so when it goes into the locker, it, it doesn't make contact. Right. Well, they had gone a little too hard, but this was after... Two and a half months of hard running before I finally broke it. I was trying to do backflips at Axial Fest. <laughs> we we're, were out there testing by ourselves, and I was doing backflips off of a uh, bulldozer. Yeah. And I finally landed on the left corner at full throttle on 3S with the 3100, Man. and it finally let go. Yeah. But that's been the two issues. Other than that, it's been solid. Um, you know, I know people have been looking at the portal housing thinking that they're going to break because it looks like it comes too hard of an angle at the bottom um i don't I, don't, I have not had that issue i've dropped it i've done drop testing i've tumble rolled it i've done you name it I, I've dropped it off a twenty five foot I did a little video in in uh on instagram yeah showing that that was eight times that I rolled that thing before I finally broke a servo arm and nothing else broke on the vehicle and it tumbled and tumbled and and you know i don't know I feel pretty good but yeah. i've also been at that point where i i've seen you guys get a hold of it and I'm like, <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. god I did not think of that or well, are these guys thinking?
1: well, I'm I'm sure there's always that out there, but uh, it's good to hear that you do put in, you know, you you do the work ahead of time, you know.
0: Yeah, we we try to. You can't think of everything, but I can assure you that the way Horizon works, we're gonna do everything to make sure our customers are taken care of. Okay. And that we improve it. So that's yeah, something man. we're pretty well known for.
1: So let me ask you next on the topic of axles. Um, do you guys, and again, feel free, say what you need to, or don't say what you need to, um, is there going to be an AR-60, like a 60 width of a portal anytime? Is that on the radar? Uh, No plans right now. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Um, is there going to be, you know, the, the 2.2 size 60 axles? Do you guys have any plans for, uh, you know, any kind of change there? Because you guys have had... The new 44 um, for the SCX 102, and now the portals. Um, Is there any plans for the 60s at all?
0: You know, there has been some discussion um, because you know we do have a lot of guys that are are fans of the bomber and the rates and that type of stuff, Um, and it's been around for a while. I know there's been some discussion. Is it anything that's going to happen? very soon and very quickly no not likely Mm -hmm. um it's just been discussion you know right now the hot market is still the 10 scale scalar size with the with the like the capper size and the scx 10 so those are probably the main focus right now Mm -hmm. um the big stuff is, is has slowed down a bit uh market wise um but yeah it's definitely in discussion and we definitely will do something about it it's just a matter of when that's going to happen and it's it's just i can't tell you exactly when it will um but we're definitely thinking about it that's for sure sure so there's hope for you guys that want those ar 60s or something new yeah there's yeah. definitely hope for you guys out there it's just not sure when and i know that it's been in discussion
1: okay and 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 like i said i'm not gonna i'm not gonna beat you over the head for any anything <laughs> like that um, yeah no problem yeah and I'm, I'm i think that's a very good answer too um, my, my one question I will pitch out, which has been definitely my most asked question, uh, just because of the region and the the following that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, are you and your team, are, are you guys, um, noticing the, the kind of the growth in the Southeast of the RC sport, uh, in, in terms of the 2.2, kind of the rock bouncer style? Yes,
0: we've seen it. I think it's really cool. Um, We have definitely thrown some up on the chalkboard of of a rock bouncer. Mm -hmm. Um, The one thing that, and so this is where the hard part comes in.
1: Sure, Rock bouncers are just,
0: and and I'm not trying to offend any of you guys.
1: You're not going to offend anybody. You're okay. Rock
0: bouncers are kind of like oval guys that are kind of like low rider guys that are kind of like semi truck guys. It's a very niche market. Mm-hmm. So in the South, it's, it's extremely popular. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's say in SoCal, you, you just don't see it. Or you go to the Northwest, so you don't see it as, as predominantly as you guys see it. I, I love watching all the videos on YouTube of mm-hmm. these guys just going nuts, you know, climbing these raw walls and blasting through the trees and, and you know, doing all that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, that is one of the challenges with making a vehicle – that has a quote-unquote a niche market right you know when you have um the basically the paper pushers and the people that handle the money taking a look at it trying to to get a project to run through um where you're trying to explain well we we know it's going to sell great down here we're not sure if it's going to sell anywhere else Mm -hmm. but it's super cool and we think it could happen. Well, that's where it kind of becomes a tough battle to make it happen. Sure. In, sure. My, in my opinion, what the, what I would do and, and, and just to give you guys an explanation of how we would work it, what I would try and do is play the, the whole, well, look, it's kind of like a high speed monster truck, mud bogger, rock crawler. Mm-hmm. So now I'm kind of pointing at a bunch of different things. Yeah. So if I can kind of get them on board to understand that it's not too niche, then, then sometimes we can make things happen. The next challenge yeah. is it's got to be credible to you guys. Mm-hmm. If you guys are in rock bouncing, I can't just go put a cage on there. And uh, We've seen, you know, if, if you're out there on the Internet and you go and see some of these things that are made in China, you can tell it's some guy who's not into scaling, mm-hmm. knows nothing about off-roading or rock crawling, and he's looked at some pictures online and said, I think it looks like this, and this is what it is. Yep. And you guys can pull that apart all day long and say, give me a break. <laughs> this guy knows nothing about that. Look right. at where his links are. Look at what he did. Why did he make it like that? That's one of the challenges of, of making some things that are uh, are kind of a unique market. So right. I think there's a, a market for it. I think that it can be done and, and maybe created as a basher-type vehicle, mm-hmm. you know, because it's got a full roll cage, it's all-wheel drive, it would be fast. I think there's a place for it. It's just a challenge of, again, convincing, you know, the, the the bean counters that, yeah. hey, this is a viable product.
1: You yeah, know? no, I, I absolutely agree with you. And um, to be honest with you, I, I feel the same way. And I think that your your idea about, you know, making this semi-universal platform that becomes the, you know, the mud truck, the monster truck, and the rock bouncer, right. you know, I think a lot of those shared parts are there. Because, um, <clears throat> you know, a, a lot of the guys here, um, a lot of the guys, they start with the bomber or they'll start with a custom chassis. Um, I'm sure you've seen them floating around, and and, and all the parts are there, and and right. and trying to, I'm trying to be, I'm I'm trying to keep them in mind while I say this, but also um, have a business perspective and trying to be realistic about it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there, in my opinion, all the parts are there, and if there was a way for for a produced cage that you guys could build or just a chassis because the <coughs> bomber chassis works I mean uh, I, I don't know you know I don't know, I feel like I may be grasping the straws here um, even like a even like a builder a build build your own kit cage type thing uh, you know that's even uh, a, an answer for those guys but yeah. uh, you know it's one of those things I, I definitely get your side um, there uh, one one question that was posed to me a couple times was um, if anyone from Horizon was ever interested in coming out to a, su- a southern race or mm-hmm. uh, I believe they have them in Texas and there's one in New Hampshire as well. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you guys are more, always more than welcome to. And uh, you know, again, I, I think that you have a valid argument uh, for justification on you know why it's such a head scratcher. Right. Uh,
0: Right. Yeah, I, well, first of all, I would love to get out there. Yeah, uh, there's so many times I'd love to get to different events, and it's it's a little challenging. Like you know, Axial Fest was crazy because that was 12 days, and that was our event. That's
1: a long time. Um, yeah.
0: But but they do they do have a little bit of a budget for the developers where sure. we're allowed to go and, and check things out, and that's something I definitely would love to do. The the thing about doing uh, a like a builder's kit or something where you can put that together, one is. And again, I'm not trying to give you guys reasons why we're we're not going to do it sure. or that we can't do it. I just want to explain a little bit of, of some of the things that are involved in trying to make it happen. So, yeah, you have the axles and you have some of these parts that are from the bomber that would work. Well, the next thing is trying to get the vendor, because they have so many other projects and vehicles that they're working on, they don't always just work on axial stuff. Mm-hmm. Each vendor usually works on multiple brands for us. Mm-hmm. So now the next thing is the priori- prioritizing product or the, whatever's getting made. So if we wanted to design a cage and try to jump on that and get that designed and tool, or so we could tool it, you still got to get one of the vendors to pull aside something that might do, you know, a vehicle that might be good for ten to 20,000 units
1: mm-hmm.
0: to selling maybe 500 to 1,000 cages.
1: Sure. Sure. you
0: know th- that's one of the the challenges there and then the other thing that comes involved and again it's part of being this part of this big big company we work for is horizon has a huge uh bullseye on their back mm-hmm. anytime we go into europe or any other country we are flagged for checking to make sure that we're compliant with everything yeah. and you know this wouldn't be an rtr it'd be a kit yeah but as an example some countries the shock oil may not be legal to bring into to the country. How interesting. And all it takes is one company or one person to contact their government, and then we're on their radar. Wow. Same thing for Germany. Germany is probably the toughest when it comes to bringing in radio-controlled vehicles, the RTRs. Yeah. You've got to pass all kinds of compliant testing. you got to do the... The wheelie bin logo has to be just the right size and the UAE and all these other types of things that have to be on there. Wow, There's a ton of that stuff that's involved and that adds more time to a product as well. So when you're making these decisions on some of these products, you have to look at, okay, we've got to have a manuals team be able to put this together. It's got to make sense. We've got to find a factory that has the time to tool this thing. And then we need to be able to package it and price it for a price point that will get these guys happy to do it. Mm-hmm. But then I say, uh, but I might only sell a thousand units. Mm-hmm. Ooh, well that you start to drop down the priority list. Where yeah, you've got you know uh, uh, a monster truck or a or a fifth scale or you know something something kind of new. So I'm not saying it won't happen. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that it can't happen because if they hadn't taken the chance on doing rock crawlers back in the day, we wouldn't be where we're at. Within our industry, which is probably one of the strongest categories.
1: Yeah, I agree. with you, you know, yeah,
0: you know, when we did the comp crawler and the mini rock crawler back in those days, they were like, "You got, you want to do a what? It goes how slow?" and and what what is fun about that? <laughs> you know, trying to explain to them that yeah. I want to spend your money to make this vehicle that goes four miles per hour and it crawls over stuff. Yeah. And meanwhile, everybody's pushing the we got to go 35, 45, 55, yeah. 65 miles per hour and jump farther and jump bigger and have bigger tires. That was a tough decision to get them on board. Luckily, we had some pretty good management that understood, hey, there's a there's a viable product here. Yeah. And they let us do that. So I'm not saying that a rock bouncer is out of the question.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's just definitely when, when I do hear it quite a bit like, well, they could just do this and take this part and you could do this and this. Yeah, you you could if that was the only thing you're doing, right? But there's just so many things going on at the same time that it gets tough to prioritize some of these things and get get all these cool things out. Like one of my, honestly, one of the things I've always wanted to do was to figure out how to do a airbag slash hydraulic looking type of lowered truck or yeah. or car. I thought it'd be fun to have a radio that you could operate and lift and do side to side and front to back.
1: Yeah, that would be you cool. Know,
0: things like that. It's just there's not a huge market for it, and maybe it'll sell, maybe it won't, but it gets put down lower on the priority list.
1: Yeah, absolutely, so, absolutely. So. Well, what? I, well, personally, I, this would be my last pitch for it, because uh, again, I'm, I'm speaking for the followers here who, who won't have really? the opportunity to talk to you. Um, there's a there's a couple of Facebook groups, um, one being RC Rock Bouncing, uh, uh-huh. which is uh, run by uh, a guy named Nick at RC Command. Um, shout out to Nick. I promised him I'd, I'd throw his name out there for him. Uh, but uh, he—he's a great guy. If you guys ever have any interest, he's an excellent person to talk to. And he—he's the one who runs the uh, the RC league for the uh, National Rock Racing Association in the southeast. So he's a good guy to have um, in the in the the thought cloud. If the if the thought ever comes back, and uh, if it ever gets a little more real, and you guys have any um, desire for anything at all, that's your guy right there
0: cool you know and and there is like i said i do have a desire because i love that stuff yeah i I love it i think um one of the things that if anybody who's part of those groups or wants to get a hold of me like you like you got a hold of me you got a hold of me on instagram yep um you know i'm old rc underscore rich or you can contact me on facebook as well i have two accounts i use one for personal just for Mm -hmm. home stuff but then i have an rc account that's i think it's rich Trujillo.
1: okay
0: rich rc Trujillo or something like that on facebook message me let me know um, invite me into these groups I, I i'm always open and want to see all this cool stuff and and make these cool things i'd love to do it awesome. it's just like i said there's so many other projects on at the same time it's it's it, there's got to be a a demand for it. If we get enough, you know, emails and and not that I really want a whole bunch of PMs from everybody, <laughs> but the more I have it, the more I'm made aware of it. the yeah. Easier it is for me to be able to start pushing on it and and see if something can happen.
1: So, so that, that's great, man. Uh, my job, yeah. my job, my my job, as always, is just to raise the flag so everybody you've heard it uh, and you know what to do. So um, thank you for open <laughs> thank you for opening that invitation because. Uh, oh, like yeah, I said, sure. that, that's been a good one. Um, but yeah. to move off of that topic, uh, mm-hmm. a couple of times I did, I got asked one of the questions that people were interested in knowing was, uh, what are are there any more plans for the LOSI microcrawler or did the SCX-24 kind of take that?
0: The uh, SCX-24 took that. Okay. Um, the LOSI microcrawler... Actually, the company that we used to use to make that one um, is no longer around. Gotcha. And quite frankly, I, I ran those projects as well. And believe it or not, I was doing the low C Micro Crawler at the exact same time that I was working on the c Five T.
1: That's crazy.
0: So on my desk, I literally had you know four, three, four, five millimeter hex wrenches and giant fifth scales on my desk with prototype parts next to micro crawlers with these. One millimeter hexes and the little phillips head screws and stuff on there that's working out at the exact same time that's awesome so i i did it was heavily involved in all the micro crawlers but honestly and this isn't because it's axial now and i work with the axial brand the stx24 is by far a superior product than the low c micro crawler and and honestly, for us to just battle within ourselves, it just doesn't make any sense. I
1: I, I fully you know? agree with you, and that's that's yes. the answer that I was kind of fishing for. Uh, yeah, it's it. I think that I think that again, people get stuck on brands and still think that people are you know, why would you go to war with yourself? You kind of nailed right, it. Right. Um, that's, right. There's no reason. I mean, to do there's that.
0: still you know, there's still going to be some stuff where Losi's going to compete against Arm up, for example. Yeah. Where we have uh, our 6th scale, and they come out with a seven scale, or whatever it is, we still like to have that type of of, of stuff going on. Mm-hmm. But then when it comes to like low seat, a, a micro crawler just doesn't fit the brand anymore. Yep. Um, you know, you still have the night crawler, which is a solid seller and just keeps trucking along. I mean, I think we're on the third version of the night crawler. That's awesome. And uh, it's it just keeps trucking along. People like it, but for Loxy to come out with a, a crawler that would compete against axial—it just doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah I fully so agree with you. I think they're trying. We're trying to develop the brands to have what what they are good at, but then there will be some bleed over between potentially axial and Arma and Low C, um kind of you know dabbling a little bit on our style to their style. You know, yeah. so it'll be interesting to see where that goes. But you won't get a lot of that because. We definitely want to differentiate that and not step on our own toes.
1: Gotcha. Um, so I got two more things I want to ask, and then and then we can kind of wrap things up. Uh, my first one is a compliment. Uh, the Wraith 1.9 is the best crawler you guys have ever made, in my opinion. Oh, awesome. Outside awesome. Outside, I haven't gotten a chance to run the Capper yet, but man, I bought one of those, and I absolutely loved it. That whole platform is just awesome. So you guys knocked a home That's- run there. I appreciate
0: that. That was actually my first Axial
1: project I did. I'll I'll tell you, I I did not expect that to come out. Uh, That one was one where, you know, you guys kind of put some teasers out in the marketing department. uh, Mm -hmm. And when I saw it, especially that orange one, man, I was just like, I've got to have it. (laughs) So it works really well. It was just, again, it's just a home run. You guys did great with that. Awesome. Um, Awesome. My only other thing that I wanted to ask, and I had a couple people ask about, was um it looks like the yeti has been discontinued is that correct Mm -hmm. so yes it has is there you know i actually have a yeti and i it's probably my favorite car to run if i just want to go out and kind of mindlessly enjoy running (sighs) fast but uh is there is there plans for a revision or is there something else that's kind of going to fill that role
0: Um, not anytime soon. Okay. Um, quite frankly, the Yeti sales dropped to literally almost nothing. I believe it. And so what happens, and another thing on the background here is the way Horizon operates, we, we have a turn rate. So we got to sell a certain amount of these vehicles to make it worth warehousing it, the space that we have in the warehouse and paying people to deal with it and that type of stuff. Yes. And quite frankly, the Yeti just got to a point where it was very, very few sales. Mm Mm-hmm. And secondly, we—I think there was—I think there was an electronic issue that was came with one of the vendors that kind of had us out of stock of them for a while. Mm-hmm. And that was back when the hobby code days. Um, I think that was an issue. And then, quite frankly, it just kind of lost its legs, and we just weren't selling enough. And then you have the Lossi Rock Ray, which you know, I, personally, I, now I work on the Lossi Rock Ray as well mm-hmm. and the Losi Bahari. Mm-hmm. Did the low c rockery come out as cool? Was it as relevant? No, not really. I, you know, I kind of hated the body on it. Um, I like it. That
1: the, I, thought, I thought it was cool.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and then you had the design of, you know, back then our director of uh, surface development was really hot to trot on bottom loading battery trays, uh-huh. and it does kind of work in some vehicles, but we've had more people that have not been happy. Like the the uh, well, the Bahari goes and the rockery go through the back. Um, but it was still kind of developed to be coming from the back or without moving the, removing the body. Mm-hmm. We've had it kind of back and forth on that, but at the same time, too, the Rock Ray still sells pretty well yeah, and was doing quite a bit more numbers than the Yeti, mm-hmm. and that's why the Yeti was pretty much discontinued. I think we still have some in stock, so if if there's any in stock and you've been thinking about getting one, definitely get one, because even if today we said, you know what, let's do a new revision, you're talking, like I said, you know, yeah. 10 12 14 16 months before something would be back on the market gotcha so gotcha. it's it's not in the plans right now to re-release it and we're definitely not going to do a yeti score truck because <laughs> the score truck was just too slow and we have the baja ray and it's twice as fast as that so yeah yeah and that's that's definitely not going to happen i
1: i definitely understand and i think that uh from what i've seen the guys that have the baja rays once they kinda of get them fine-tuned to how they drive they seem to work really well and uh, everybody seems to enjoy them so um, cool. I definitely see that the, that niche being filled I, I hadn't even thought about that to be honest with you yeah, um, yeah. it's so funny it's just the just the brain crossover right there even even as we're sitting here talking I'm like oh, I forgot that they were the same they were you know all in the yeah. same house um, <laughs> yeah uh, so uh, I guess that's pretty much all the questions I had for you um, I don't really have a whole lot else for you. Um, if there's anything else that you wanna want to talk about uh, specifically, or if you want to highlight, or if there's anything coming down the down the pike that's worth mentioning, um, feel free uh, to do so. You know, honestly,
0: the the Capra is you know is, is the reason that we ended up talking you know initially. Yeah, um, I'm really excited about that thing. Uh, uh, but but again, you know, sometimes, like I said, you know, I can't predict what you guys are going to do with them. Mm-hmm. So if there's any issues and anybody has a problem or if you guys notice something in the manual or you guys notice that, hey, this part doesn't have a groove or whatever, one, call our customer service because these guys kick ass. They're like the Costco of RC. <laughs> I mean, it drives <laughs> me nuts sometimes when I see what people are getting warrantied and fixed, but they re- we really take pride in taking care of our customers.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. But
0: two Don't be afraid to let me know. Shoot me a PM. Shoot me a message on on Facebook or whatever. Any of that stuff that you guys know, if it keeps me, you know, because keep in mind, I finished this project probably four months ago, Mm -hmm. really. You know, I was kind of doing a little bit of the box art and things like that. But the reality is I was done with this vehicle for four months, at least four months ago um, to approve it for production and get it going. Mm -hmm. I'm well on to other stuff. But I do have to back up when the announcement is launched and get on Facebook and Instagram and answer questions and take pictures and things like that.
1: Yeah.
0: So, um, so if things happen where you guys get out there and find an issue, whatever, please feel free to share it with me. I'd I love to hear from people, to hear, good or bad. I uh, trust me, I'm used to it. I'm used to hearing <laughs> oh, blah, blah. But whatever you guys do, just don't accuse us of trying to steal your money or yeah. make some junk or you guys are doing this on purpose that is the furthest from the truth we have a huge a killer group of passionate rc enthusiasts everyone that works in the product development group is into rc the engineers are into rc we don't have anybody who's came from the photocopy market and they designed copy machines and now they're going to design an rc car gotcha we don't have that you have to be passionate and into it and that's what we have here. And I guess that would be one thing I could answer. People want to know, how do I get a job? How do I get your job working as a product developer? Mm-hmm. Or I want to be a designer or whatever. Um, really, you kind of have to not only be in it, but you got to be practical about what's involved and realizing things don't happen that fast. And if you can learn product development skills as far as um, – maybe project management courses, Mm -hmm. uh, for people that might be going to college or maybe you want to take a night school and and that type of stuff. The other thing is you kind of got to be ready to move to Southern California (laughs) or champagne, which we do have our radio, um, and our accessories and, uh, the batteries and dynamite and that type of stuff there. Yeah. You got to be prepared to do that, but there are a few and far between jobs in that, in that market, but. You know, if that's what you're into and you want to try it, that's kind of what you got to do is just be an RC enthusiast and then have an education in design or, or product development and then keep an eye on our website. A lot of times we have career offerings and, you know, that's how you can try and get in there um, and go from there.
1: Well, that's but, great. Yeah, that's
0: pretty much it. I just want to make sure everybody knows that, hey, guys, we're, we're into this. We love this stuff. We all love different types of RC and none of us are into screw you guys or make a bad product or make something on purpose, and this and that. I, I, I see that stuff on online so many, I just laugh when I see all this stuff, but <laughs> for whoever's listening, keep in mind that's not who we are and how we do things. We really take pride in what we do. We want to make it the best that we can and, uh, Horizon really supports pretty well to, to make these things happen. So I appreciate the time letting me talk to you guys and and talk to you and answer your questions. And hopefully it wasn't boring and was informative for you guys.
1: Yeah. I don't think, uh, I don't think boring is, is ever, is ever the word I would use to describe, especially not this interview, but, uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it personally. I got to answer, you know, a lot of these questions were partially my own questions and things that I had thought about over the time. But, um, Rich, thanks for the time today, man. It's been great. Uh, if you'll awesome. hang on for a second after we get off the line here, um, we'll talk for a few minutes and then I'll uh, I'll get everything sent over to you. But uh, where can people find you? I know you mentioned it earlier, but on Facebook and Instagram, where can people find you at?
0: Yeah, so on Facebook, I believe it's Rich R C Trujillo. Um, you can just look at Rich Trujillo, and, and it's spelled T R U J I L L O. You can find me there on Instagram. It's old. RC underscore rich. Um, you'll find me there. And then, if you, quite frankly, you want to get a hold of me, I'm easy to get a hold of. It's Art Trujillo at HorizonHobby.com. Thank if you. you got something you're interested in asking me about, um, I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Um, bear with me. I, I'm not going to tell you what we got coming out with.
1: <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what it
0: costs. I'm not going to tell you when it's coming. But I'll be happy to answer the questions as best I can. So feel free to email, especially if you got an issue with a product and you want to share some information. That's awesome. One thing I will say, too, if you want to send me a product idea, keep in mind, I probably won't totally hear it because I can't authorize it and say that we're going to do it because then you're going to tell me that and sue me for doing your product. <laughs> so Good
1: cover. I, I like that. So
0: if you've got something that you want to patent or you got this crazy idea, I, I'm not going to listen because I can't chance it. But feel free to give us product feedback. I'd love it
1: all day long. All right. Well, Rich, thanks for coming on the show, man. We'll close it out here, and uh, I hope you have a good rest of your evening. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the show. Um, Again, awesome, awesome companies to deal with that support us. Pack Racing Springs at racingsprings.com. Over 100 years of spring technology and performance. Uh, Top drivers such as Tim Cameron, Lauren Healy, Ultra 4 leaders, Southern Rock Racing leaders, everyone seems to use Pack Racing Springs, so the proof is in the pudding there. I don't need to speak any more to the reputation other than just saying those things right there. The top drivers choose Pack Racing Springs. Uh, Their website is racingsprings.com. They give all Racing on the Rocks listeners 10% off with code ROR at checkout. Checkout. Um, Again, if you're not exactly sure what spring kit you need or you're getting confused by the website, give them a call. Um, They're perfectly fine walking you through what you need. Even if you don't know what you need, they'll talk you through, uh, you know, they'll be as technical with you or as little technical with you. If You call them say, hey man, me and my buddies, we like to go ride, I don't, you know, my wife comes with me. And I put a cooler in the back and they'll definitely spring your car exactly how they want it, or exactly how you want it, excuse me. And you can even send them your shocks and they'll spring it, revalve your shocks, rebuild them and get the whole nine yards and get you back riding like you've never ridden before. Pack Racing Springs at Racingsprings.com, code word R O R. 10% off at checkout. Infinite Off-Road is also an incredible company that I love to do business with. Um, Check them out for their rock lights, their uh, light whips and wheel rings, light bars, light pods, everything you can think of light. If it's Infinite Off-Road brand, it is covered by a 25-year. You break it, they fix it, warranty, no questions asked. You just send it in and they'll warranty it. Awesome stuff right there, ladies and gentlemen. All Things UTV covers up where those companies don't. Axles, drivetrain, comfort performance tunes for every kind of vehicle every kind of side by side anything you can think of they've got you covered there they also now have apex powder coating in-house so everything comes to you powder coated or has the option to come to you powder coated Dustin and his team are really doing some awesome stuff so without further ado ladies and gentlemen thanks for listening leave us five stars wherever you're listening because it really does help the podcast and i hope you have a great rest of your day